Jones launches deep right field, and this one is gone, and the Astros walk him off in game one. Jordan Alvarez, are you kidding me? What an incredible finish to game one of this American League Division Series. Jordan Alvarez, a three-run walk-off home run and a no-doubter. It was something, you know, going into the series where we were at, um, you know, looking at, you know, our rotation ahead and, you know, talking with Robbie about you know, using him out of the bullpen as a bullet, so to speak, um, for that type of scenario. Uh, you know, bringing in a lefty uh, against Alvarez. I know, you know, Alvarez is uh, one of the better hitters in the league. But, uh, you know, we talked about it coming into the series. We talked about it uh, pregame today. And I looked at it in the seventh inning and said, hey, this could happen. And um, so well, that was the plan going in, you know, offensively, uh, where we were at in the ballgame. I thought Logan Gilbert handled himself very well. And uh, Brash and Diego Castillo behind him, you know, they just got it rolling on us at the end, and, and they got the big hit. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we're reduced to. Huh. That's what we're reduced to, Kevin Barker, taking, uh, taking pleasure in the discomfort of others. I got to admit, there was a lot of excitement in the Blair household when Jordan Alvarez took Mr. Tight Pants deep. Um, <laughs> you think they made the right, the right move or the wrong move? Uh... <laughs> If you've got Robbie Ray, if you're scared to use Robbie Ray as a starter, which they are, given his numbers against uh, against the Astros, yeah, he's better in Seattle than he is at Minute Maid. That, that's yeah, the whole point that, there. That's what I meant. I, yeah, I'm not a yeah, I'm not a fan of getting. We saw that bullpen here, and I understand Jordan Alvarez is a he's a terrific hitter. I get it, but no, I'm not a I'm not a fan of getting that creative in air quotes, in game one of the ALDS. Now, if we're talking game seven of the World Series or something like that and your bullpen spent, I'm okay. But come on. Don't outthink yourself. Yeah, I don't you think know, he had a choice. I, I was going to say, act like you've been there. I, I, I think he did. I think he had a conversation with the guy he paid $100 million to. He ain't going to give the ball to Matt Boyd, who you pitched in the fifth and sixth inning, and not late in games. And I really do think the eighth inning with Munoz throwing 23 pitches made him pivot. Paul Seawald hasn't been good. He wasn't good against the Jays. He wasn't good down the stretch. You're not letting him face that little sidearm submit mixing thing he's throwing right now face the best hitter on planet earth in my mind that dude short and quick repeatable i mean it is about as if you're trying to take a photo and show it to people trying to learn how to hit at young ages take a picture of alvarez just watch the video watch how everything's in sync everything has a purpose it's repeatable the time off you can tell doesn't bother him because it's just if i get my front foot down everything else is going to take place because i'm doing it in a certain way that everything lines up the way it's supposed to line up. I think this is the first time that I'm going to ever take up for Scott's service. I just think in that situation, he didn't have a choice. I will say this. Walk up to Robbie Ray and say, why in the heck are you throwing your third best pitch to one of the best hitter, if not the best hitter in baseball? Why are you throwing two sinkers? I, for me, after you see him take the big daddy hack and just miss the first one, why are you throwing him another one? Doesn't make any sense to me, but, yeah, absolutely. Throwing three or four of those, you see if he chases, at least make him go the other way. I know the short porch in left field, but at least make him use the other side of the field. And for me, it was just dumb pitching other than what Scott Service did. 
as someone who was a left-handed hitter when they played, you know, you sent me a text about he's got the best swing in baseball, and you just talked about how everything is in sync with Jordan Alvarez. Um, as a left-handed hitter, what makes that his consistency so remarkable? Because it is, if you talk to people around the Astros, it is a consistent swing. That's what they'll say. They'll say mm-hmm. that one of the things about him is he he knows his swing and he and he and he maintains it. He does. Well, he, he gets off his backside. He's got a short, little compact leg kick. It's not a big one. It's not a bobochet where you're kicking it to the ear. You have issues getting it down on time. That allows him to be good against lefties. Think he's hitting 320 off lefties. Like it's just a he's a weapon against both uh, pitchers, lefties and righties. Uh, it's. He's thinking one thing, really, when he gets to the plate. If he can get his front foot down, he has such good bat speed. Uh, the barrel positioning, the where, the, how long the barrel stays in the hitting zone takes place because of his front foot. If he can do that, I said this, the time off doesn't bother a guy like that. It's just about rhythm and timing, getting the front foot down and letting everything else take over and be aggressive in the strike zone is exactly what you see him doing. That's why you see him able to go line to line. Is he the new big poppy? You would think so. You would think so. Because if you're the Mariners and Scott Service, how do you do it? And I will say this. If you're Dusty Baker, Jeff, you're knowing that now there's no chance you let Alvarez beat you. If you have to walk him, you have to walk him and pitch the Bregman. Do you, if you're Dusty Baker, do you put him in a two-hole? Just hasn't he, he has not hit it in the two-hole all year. Does not it matter? Not a chance in hell. No, not a chance do I move him up. I've got my, I've got a good enough lineup. Yeah, it's fine. You, you Maybe you're not going to pitch to your and Alvarez. Take your chances with other guys. Now, again, this gets back to I am fundamentally not a fan of doing all this stuff you wouldn't do in the regular season in game one of a division series or game two. I'm just not. You, I, I really do believe that by and large, you go with what got you there. And, and yeah, I understand there may be some reason for having Robbie Ray face Jordan Alvarez. You've asked a guy who hasn't relieved in a long time to face the best hitter in baseball. That's dumb in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't I, think I, so. I, I don't care how you – you manage your bullpen so that you're not in that situation. Yeah, you, I guess you, you so, so, sometimes you, you go with who you think's the best matchup, the guy that you think can get a lefty out and make him go the other way. You're trying to give a guy a different look. You're just thinking he's not going to throw his third best you pitch just, to one of the best hitters in you baseball. Were leading, you, were, you were leading the game. There was no point to do that. Again, you were leading the game. Again, you got I, a bullpen that just shoved it up, you know what, of one of the have, best teams in baseball. You have a cut. He misman- I will say this, Kevin. He mismanaged that game. He mismanaged that. Yeah, I don't see I've that. Got, I've got to have, I got to have somebody behind Seawald to come into that game. Now, maybe George Kirby, I think, is I probably think they did have start. That. They didn't have George. You've got to have somebody behind him, another reliever behind him, to bring in in that situation. Well, it was going to be you left-handed, just, and you ain't going to bring in Matt Boyd. I'm just saying. You you know what? You got to the playoffs. With a, with a bunch of right-handed dudes closing, at some point they yeah. had to get a lefty hitter. You, you, Kevin, they were winning that game. You they know, were you not know, losing that game. You know they, they had panicked. It, you know they had it scripted. And when oh. Munoz had to throw twenty-three pitches in the eighth inning, because they were relying on him to go two innings. The day off today, you, you, that's your best dude. I don't care who's up. He throws one hundred and three with the slider. I'm going to use him. And then, uh oh, he throws twenty-three pitches in the eighth inning. Now you're pivot. That would have been like, you did. That would have been like, like, you didn't want to use Seawald. You that didn't want like, to. 
that would have been like John Schneider using Jose Barrios in that that in game. It's just dumb. It's dumb. You could script. Mm-hmm. You know what? When you script things out, you script it out so that your closer is in difficulty, and you've got and you have another reliever there to back him up. You don't go into a game like that with one of your options yeah, right. being taking a dude who has not relieved and put him in against a team that kicks his ass. That's the other thing. There's. <laughs> The reason you're not using him as a starter is because he can't beat the Astros. So you put him in against their best hitter. You can't defend it, Kevin. You cannot defend it. If Dusty Baker did well, that, I just gave you three. I just gave you three. About how stupid he is. I just gave you three reasons. So I did defend it. No. You, you but just because you don't That's like it. Indefensible. I mean, he's left-handed. He throws hard. Well, why, if he just didn't throw his sinker. I mean, it would have been a, he would have had a better chance of getting you know? him out. Re- How do you know he would have gotten him out if he didn't? Throw oh, him? I didn't say. I didn't say know? that. I said he would have had a better chance of getting him out. If he didn't throw his, didn't throw a dumb pitch, his third best pitch, that right was, down the middle, was, like that was that was absolute absolute panic by Scott Service. It, mm. it really was. Sounds to me yeah. like they'd already had the conversation, so they uh, be be ready, prepare yourself, big fella. We gave you a hundred large. We're gonna you, use no you. Point, at no point did you give Robbie Ray a hundred million dollars, thinking you were gonna run him out against Jordan Alvarez in in the ninth inning of a, of a game where you've got a lead. And I keep getting back to that. They led the game. They led the game. Yeah, yeah. I they think you're, led the game. Again, they you're missing the game. Again, you're, you can yell and scream all you want. It gets back to the eighth inning. Munoz with the 23 pitches. They didn't want to use Seawalt. I, I bet you if you go up and ask Scott Service behind closed doors and say, did you really want to use Seawalt? Have you noticed him lately? He hit the nine-hole hitter. He gave up a, a, a to the two-hole hitter a one-two slider up the middle on the guy that's been 0 for 4. Hadn't been real good to get to the guy that's left-handed. So you think they really wanted to throw Seawalt? Absolutely not. You are the guy that always tells me that one of the things players like from managers is don't put me in the spot where I can't be my best. You're the guy that tells me that. Don't send me up to the plate asking me to bunt. I can't bunt. You're the guy that says that all the time. So now you've gone and asked Robbie Ray, who isn't a closer or isn't a reliever, to face one of the, it's just anyhow we could go round and round in this bottom line is because i'm right you're wrong <laughs> no whatever anyhow speaking of uh, right and wrong let's move on joe siddle will join us and we'll we'll have plenty more conversation about the games uh yesterday the uh astros <laughs> beating the mariners eight seven on that walk-off the phillies beating the braves yeah any of those those of you who might have picked the braves sweep shame on you the uh, phillies beat the braves seven six the Yankees beat the Guardians 4-1. And a game that really intrigued me, Kevin, the Dodgers beat the Padres 5-3. That, to me, was almost a throwaway game for the Padres with Mike Clevenger pitching. Now you got Darvish and Snell going. If I'm the Padres, as much as I've lost that first game, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm actually feeling pretty good going into game two with Kershaw against Darvish. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Anyhow, we'll talk to Siddle about that. Yesterday was also the day that Ross Atkins did his... Uh, Debrief. Now, a couple of things about this. Eh, nothing, three days or two days, I, I, I mean, it's all running together. Two days after you've been eliminated in one of the worst losses in baseball history, which is what it is, mm-hmm. probably not going to come out as a general manager and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do this year. Bidding, bang, boom, bang, boom. Guys haven't even opted out yet. You're probably not going to come out and say anything. 
And I know that there were Jays fans out there that saying it was a word salad and Ross Atkins didn't say anything. I would direct you to our friend Mark Topkin, who attended the Tampa Bay Rays debrief. And Mark Topkin's tweet was basically the Rays didn't say anything. That's what happens in these things. It's two days after the regular season. You're not going to say anything. A couple of things did come out of this, though, and, and of subsequent discussions with people. One, Nate Pearson is pitching winter ball. Nate Pearson will pitch for Lee Say in the Dominican League. If you are one of those people that thinks Nate Pearson needs to grow a pair, pitching in the Dominican Winter League will help him grow. My hand's raised. Okay. Uh, secondly, George Springer. Secondly, George Springer uh, had suffered a concussion and a shoulder strain in that collision with Bo Bichette. Although there, I let me rephrase that. I don't know if the shoulder strain happened in that collision or it happened when he 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 clanged into the wall. Um, he is going to go to, I believe, Arlington. I think it's Dr. Keith Meister is going to look at his elbow. He's the Texas Rangers team doctor. He's also a well-regarded orthopedic specialist. Initial statement from Ross Atkins is that the elbow situation may be a bit of a bone spur. It may not be bone chips. They may not need surgery. That's the indication from Ross Atkins. Apparently, George Springer actually felt the elbow felt a lot better in the past two weeks other than that according to the blue jays there are no pressing health issues with any of their players so if you're worried about vladdy's knee or vladdy's hand at least what we were told yesterday kevin Mm -hmm. that's not an issue now that's kind of the 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 shopping the or the the medical update as far as players are concerned It wasn't the first question asked at the news conference, which surprised me. But the most pressing question is what is going to happen to the manager, John Schneider. He's the interim manager, took the Jays to the playoffs. We all know about John Schneider's background. The organization's known him for years. This was Ross Atkins when asked about whether or not John Schneider, who is still the interim manager, whether or not he's going to return as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. More time uh, to to work through that. All of our energy has been uh, deployed towards winning and with John Schneider and feel very confident about the job that he has done and did. Um, I, I think it will be very difficult for us to find better than John Snyder, but out of respect for the organization, out of respect for John Snyder, I do want time to work through the process with him. Process. Uh, you know, Ross, Ross Atkins did tell me, we, I, I tried to dig a little deeper later on into the John Snyder thing, because, of course, the Phillies took Rob Thompson's interim tag off. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one of the things is, you know, it was reminded me, the the Blue Jays are a process organization. They do work through things. That We, we can sit here and, you know, pound our heads against the wall or pound the table. Uh, if you think John Schneider should be back, the fact of the matter is this is the way the Blue Jays do things. Now, there's a couple of things that work here, Kevin. First of all, I think we're both in the same, both in the same page here. I think John Schneider did enough to warrant coming back as manager of this team. Absolutely. I have an issue with the decision-making process in that game. I think John Schneider, if he had a redo, might do things differently. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I get back to this. There wasn't a move made 
that shocked the hell out of me. Would I have left Kevin Gossman in? Yes. Was I surprised that he wasn't? No, not given the way the Jays have run their team this year. And maybe there's a lesson to be learned here for John Schneider and the organization. Who knows? Mm. Maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. Uh, but this is my takeaway from it. There are a couple of things that work here, Kevin, and I, and I, I want to get your take on this. First of all, I think that there will be some turnover on the coaching staff. And I think one of the things here is you've got to be you've got to be confident that John Schneider is going to be comfortable with the coaches he's going to have here. Managers don't pick all the coaches. Those days are gone. Hell, there are managers who haven't had I mean they just they don't get to pick any coaches. It used to be that there was, you know, an organizational guy uh, you know, the GM, okay, I'll give you this guy. You can have that. I'll have that guy in my staff, but you got to give me this guy. And, and then I mean, there was horse trading that went on mm-hmm. when this thing happened. So I think part of that is the Jays need to under or need to believe that John Schneider and this staff can work together if there are going to be changes. And I'm sure John Schneider wants to know who is his bench coach. Is it going to be Casey Kando? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Pete Walker's under contract. But does Pete Walker want to come back? There's all this stuff. If you're John Schneider, you don't want to end up in a situation where we're working with a bunch of dudes you don't like, let's face it. And that's especially the case, Kevin. I'm going to be careful here. It's especially the case if there's a little tension between you and the GM. And there's always a lot of tension between a manager and GM over the course of the year. No question. Um, and the other thing, too, is if you're the Blue Jays, and I personally don't have a problem with this, Kevin. I think you do... If there are external candidates that you think are a better fit, you are obligated, and I do agree with Ross in this, you're obligated to see how they do fit in the organization. Now, look, people have been skirting around this all year. Bud Black is very close to everybody in this organization. No question. He worked for the Cleveland Indians when when Mark Shapiro was assistant GM. He pitched for the Indians. Um, he knows the city as well. And, and Bud Black is under contract for one more year with the Colorado Rockies. He signed an extension. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I think Bud Black is the answer to whatever issues the Jays have. I personally don't think he is. Me either. But I'm saying that that's an example where it's entirely possible, because it's not just Ross making this decision. There's a bunch of people involved in this. They, hey, before we do something, let's go see if, you know, if if would would the Rockies – let Bud Black out of his contract if we're offering him three years. So I'm just throwing that out there, and, and that's just a name, Kevin. Uh, I, I think John Schneider's coming back. Me too. I think John Schneider knows this organization enough, Kevin, that he probably understands why they're doing this. Like, I, I don't think this is a surprise. I'm sure they've had Schneider. conversations already, too. Exactly. Yep. I, I was going to say, John, this is what we are going to do. This is how we do it. Um, I mean, I'll just toss it over to you because cross your teeth, cross your teeth, dot your eyes. I've always thought that John Schneider was the was the perfect fit for the Blue Jays just because of who he had managed in the minor leagues, who was the main characters at the big league level. Uh, he knows what makes him tick. He knows how to you know occasionally squish the bug. Yeah, you know, I mean, occasionally you got to get in somebody's crawl, and he knows how to do it. And he's done a very good job of that. I, I just you know I think sometimes you, after how you ended the season, sometimes it's better just to walk away for a week or so, right? It's just 
sometimes you got to walk away and look at big picture and make sure that that's the guy. But for me, it's more about John Snyder solidifying the coaching staff the way he wants it to be. Yep. Looking, acting, just shaping up. Like, you know, if this is not going to go the way John wants it to go, at least he's got his guys all in place. And now I'm not going to be the first guy to tell you who that could be, third base coach, first base coach. You know, I know all those guys are close. So it will be interesting to see how this takes place. But we've been saying this for quite some time, me and you. You know, we, we've got some insight. We've talked to some people that know things, what's going on with John, and it just seems like that John's the right guy. They're just trying again to cross the T's and dot the I's and get everything in line and make sure that it's lined up and they can make a serious run at the championship season of next year. But for me, it's always been, and it will be, at least in the near future, John Snyder should be running this thing. Ross Atkins was also asked about uh, addressing the issue that my friend Mr. Barker was was all over in spring training, and it took me about a month to kind of come around to his his side. It w- and, and if it's the case again next offseason, I won't. It will take me a month to come around, or next spring training, it won't take me a month to come around. Ross Atkins was asked about the fact that this is a predominantly right-hand hitting team. And the fact that for the past two off-seasons, he's talked about wanting to get more balance in the lineup. And that doesn't necessarily mean more lefty hitters than righty hitters. It means different hitters. Different hitters. make Hitters that are going to make the Blue Jays more difficult to game plan against. And this was Ross Atkins' reaction when he was talked about the balance in the lineup. Yeah, what, what makes it hard is how good the nine guys are. Um, so, you know, doing better than a certain hitter and turning them around uh, in the batter's box is the hard part of it because they've been so effective. It's not like we got beat up by right-handed pitching. So, um, you know, we'll consider those alternatives. I do think there is something to um, having similar types of hitters and game planning for them that we need to dig deeper into and how we can account for that and offset that, um, you know, but you know, you're, you're, you're leaning into my point uh, a little bit that I made to Caitlin as well, that we can be better in every area, and that will ultimately make us a better team. Certain areas are harder to pr- improve upon, and offensive, on the offensive side, that would be one that's harder to improve upon, even if it means handedness. Um, you guys have obviously done... Yeah, that was uh, John Schneider talking about uh, the Jays, uh, the balance. Ross Atkins. Balance the Ross what Atkins. did I say? John Schneider. Ross Atkins yeah, yeah. talking about the balance in the lineup. And look, this is something they tried to sign Michael Brantley two years ago. They tried to acquire Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is a switch hitter. But I mean, Jose, it, it again, this gets back to, see, we got to move beyond this handedness thing. Mm. You know, the, the, the dialogue around Tim Mesa coming into the game for Kevin Gossman related to handedness. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear that it had absolute, it, it had little to do with that as much as it did with swing path, with Santana's swing path from that side of the plate with Mays' arsenal. And the Jays thinking that with Mays' arsenal and Santana's swing path from that side of the plate, it was going to be awfully hard for Santana to get underneath and do damage. Well, guess what? Santana got underneath and did damage. But the, the point I'm getting at is, Whenever we talk about balance, we tend to go focus on lefties and righties. And teams have way more information than we have and way more analytical data than we have when it comes to the composition of lineups. But, Kevin, I think that's the, the takeaway from there is that Ross does understand. 
I, I think he understands that you can't bring this team back next year. And I, I do have, with all due respect to Ross, yeah, they've got some really good right-handed hitters. But <laughs> Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, Alejandro Kirk, it, it's not like I'm necessarily married to them. I can, especially Kirk and Hernandez, I can get rid of them. I can trade them. I'm not going to say get rid of them. I can trade them and replace them. Gurriel's a little different because you've talked about this. Gurriel is a different type of right-handed bat than what they have in their roster. Line to line, to line guy who can use the entire field, who can get exactly. velocity, who can lay off a breaking ball. Look, for me, I'll continue to say it. To win the World Series, they're going to need some really good left-handed hitters. The question is, Jeff, is there enough of those out there in an offseason that can make this team better? Now, remember, they're top five in basically every offensive category you have to be to be a really good offense. That's the question is, do you try and water it down to just throw in a bunch of bunches, a couple, you know, you're not asking to put three or four or five lefties in there, but a couple of lefties in there, maybe one that plays second, maybe one that plays center, where you can move Springer to right. You can put Teoscar in left. You could DH Lourdes. You know, you can mix and match and get guys into where they want to get in if you have to keep Teoscar. That's the question for me is, watching these playoffs, how are they winning them? They're winning them with pitching, starting pitching. How do they lose them? With pitching. That's the question is. That's the big question. I'm still on the side of, and I will always be, they're going to need some good lefties. But what if it's not there? Then what do you do? Do you have to bring them back? Like, do you have to sort of bring back the same offense? Or are you just going to go out and get a lefty because he's left-handed? I, that's the, for me, you know, the big question. And how do you attack the pitching side of it? For me right now, the way it looks and who's available and who's not available, Jose Ramirez is not coming here. Like, it, that that's a, a, a conversation that we shouldn't be having anymore. He's not coming here next Nobody year. Nobody is having it. Well, we, he should, that's the point is unless he is, how do you – who would you bring in here that's better than Teoscar? I mean, 25 homers don't grow on trees. I mean, he can hit 40. This is the point here. When listening to him talk, I think, I, again, he's in the same camp as me, you, and everybody else that watches the Jays. But how do you fix it? How do you go out and just get a guy that's better than the guys you already got? Well, that's the big he, question. He, here's where the contracts come into play. I mean, you're not going to re-sign Teoscar. He's Would it matter? Agent. Would it matter if you use him next year and he just walks away? It's not like no. you're going to get a bunch of prospects for him anyway. I, I I don't know. Maybe do you get another? Do you get somebody who bats from the left side for Teoscar? See, I don't I don't really care about that because it hasn't been good enough the past two years. You know, they're talking about oh, you know, oh, you don't want to replace. You know what? You've had great offense the past two years. You've done jack squat. It, it's been great. The, the offensive numbers are great. You haven't won. So mm-hmm. I don't care about the offensive numbers. I care about the team winning. If I can trade Teoscar Hernandez, get a better defensive outfielder who can hit a little bit from the left side, then I'm happy with that. Here's the issue, the balance in this lineup, and it gets back to Alejandro Kirk. If you are going to use Alejandro Kirk as a DH, you Mm -hmm. are removing one of those spots. This team, if it's ideally constituted, has a left-handed DH. Then you don't have to worry about getting rid of Teoscar. Mm -hmm. Maybe add another left-handed bat at, at, at second base. Second base, I think we agree. Or center. Or center. Or center field and, and move Springer to right. All of that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But as long as you are committed to Kirk, Jansen, and Moreno, as long as you are committed to Alejandro Kirk as your DH because you don't think he can catch every day, you are hamstringing yourself when it comes to a DH. You were there yesterday. You you probably had a better feel of that than most. Is are you think they're still married to that three catcher thing? Yep. 
See, like, that that again. This gets back to that thing of how do you how do you do it? Do you do it just to be doing it to shut people up, or do you do I, it because it's best for your team? And you ask yourself, why did you lose and not go as far as you wanted to go? Is it because your offense or because you're pitching? I will say this: the, the the one thing that I will, I said this, and I took grief for it at the trade deadline because I I know a couple of teams that looked at Gabriel Moreno at the trade deadline. I know for a fact that a couple of them, they view him as a Michael Barrett type of guy, a guy who could play third, a guy who could play, who could catch. They love the athlete. You will see Gabriel Moreno if he's on this team next year. He, you're going to see him play a bit of a utility role. So they have that. That's pretty obvious. They're they're going to work. They're going to work in that. I don't. In a perfect world, I think Gabriel Moreno has to. Gabriel Moreno has to go down to the Miters and put together a good year. And when I'm I say with a good year, he's got to hit some home runs. I'm sorry. I, I get rid of the funky hand movement in his swing. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't want Gabriel Moreno coming up and and you know hitting opposite field singles for me. I can find guys who can roll out of bed and do that. Mm-hmm. But my sense initially, at least, is that they do like the three catcher scenario. They are going to, and Shai Davidi pointed this out. Uh, they're going to have some decisions to make in arbitration. Now, they've their payroll, everything we're led to believe is that there's going to be nothing shocking with the payroll, and I, and I don't think there would be. But they got some guys that are going to make money in arbitration this year, mm-hmm. and it's around the edges. It's a guy like Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen's going to get a, a, a good raise. It, it's, it's not just Bo, and it's not just Vladdy. Teoscar Hernandez, he's going to get a huge raise in arbitration or a significant yep. raise in arbitration. So I think what this organization is going to do at some point is they are going they are going to move they're going to move one of those higher arbitration salaries to clear a little bit of space because they have to not because, because they, they want to. to. I think they I think they've got enough. I think they're going to have enough financial wiggle room that they can go out and sign a big free agent contract like another Kevin Gossman type of contract if. If, if, if they move some money out next year so that the first year of that big contract, let's say you're bringing somebody in who's making $21 million in the first year of that contract. Mm-hmm. The important thing is going to be how much does he make in 2023. If you bring that guy in, you're going to have to move somebody or somebody plus somebody else out to make it work. Um, but I, I do, listen, <clears throat> my takeaway is you're going to see this team focused once again in adding a left-handed bat. I don't think they're going to get much joy in the starting pitching market. I think you're going to need to see Jose Barrios be better next year. I still think that you're going to that they would love to see Ricky Tiedemann really push the envelope. You next say year. Kikuchi sounds like he's going to get more chances. You say Kikuchi's going to get more chances. Mm-hmm. I think Nate Pearson is a starter. That boat has sailed. Uh, see ya. That that boat has sailed. If he makes mm-hmm. this team, it will be as as a bulk guy and as a reliever. Uh, but. I really do think the focus is going to be on adding that left-handed bat. And yeah, they Ross Atkins also said this. They know they know what their bullpen is about. Like they, I I think that watching that last game against Seattle, I think that might be kind of the nail in the coffin of the whole. Let's try to do something nobody else is their doing. Their aha moment when they saw Munoz coming in throwing 103 yes, miles an hour. Now, now the problem is it's hard to find 103. Yeah, and <laughs> they don't the have a lot. They they don't have anybody internally who's necessarily going to do that. You're not going to go out if you've got this shopping list. If you've got to add one or two left-handed hitters, you're not you're not going to go out and start 
adding five guys to throw 102. It's it's just not going to happen. So they're going to have to be they're going to have to get really creative in that in that area. It sounds to me like he slam dunked the idea too. A stripling comeback doesn't sound like that's going to happen. He's asking too much, and good for stripling to go out and yeah. he'll get paid by somebody. I may ask you a better chance of happening. They get two lefties, so they get three legit arms out of the pen and maybe one starter. Matt's four too many. Four's too le- two lefty hitters. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm in I, that camp because uh, um, I would have to. I would have to ask if you're keeping three catchers. Where are they playing? Second, center. Where are they playing? Like that well, again? I'm, I, I'm I'm with you. They need it. But this what is, would be easier to get? This is October 12th. Just because they like the idea of three catchers right now doesn't mean they'll like the idea of three catchers on February 12th. Sure. Yeah, a lot can happen. A lot can happen. Guys are going to be optioned. The guys are going to opt out of contracts. Uh, you know, I, here's the thing. <laughs> you know what they need to do? They need to do what the Baltimore Orioles did with their bullpen. I, I I mean, they, they, if the Baltimore Orioles can unearth all these dudes, then you should be able to unearth all these dudes. And, and it's not like you have to throw everybody out of the pen. Jordan Romano's fine. I just don't want him being my everyday closer. That, that to me, is not optimal. Jimmy Garcia, he's great, even though I know I can't use him two or three days in a row. He's fine, I should say. He's not great. Adam Simber, there's a role for Adam Simber. I don't know about Tim Mesa. I don't know if Tim Mesa comes back from this implosion, to be honest. I, I, I just don't. Uh, and, and and Zach Pop is Zach Pop to me is a thing. Zach Pop mm-hmm. is going to emerge in the next two years as a pretty significant reliever for this team. Anthony Bass, I don't know about. Anthony Bass, I don't know about. Uh, Joe Siddle is our Blue Jays central analyst. He's also an analyst on our postseason baseball telecasts. Joe Siddle and Brad Fay last night looked on, watched the San Diego Padres and the LA Dodgers play. We'll talk to Joe Siddle about what he heard or didn't hear from Ross Atkins and also take a deeper dive into the postseason series. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Alright, welcome back to Blair and Barker, the postseason edition of Blair and Barker. We will be on from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan through the World Series. We'll also always be available in podcast format wherever you get your favorite podcast. And uh, in the off-season, we'll uh, be doing podcasts and also appearing here and there whenever the Jays make news. So uh, follow me at SN Jeff Blair, and um, I will keep you updated on the whys, whens, and wherefores of Blair and Barker as we uh, keep you informed until spring training rolls around. We're already mentioning spring training. Us. It's October 12th. Uh, it might be the off season for some people, but it's not for Joe Siddle. He is our Blue Jays analyst, and of course he is now uh, sharing a desk with Brad Fay, and I imagine Jamie Campbell at some point as well as uh, the baseball postseason uh, picks up pace. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the postseason in a minute, but I, Kevin and I have been going back and forth about what we heard or didn't hear from John uh, from... Why do I have John Schneider in my brain? I think I know why. Uh, what we heard or didn't hear from Ross Atkins yesterday. Was there uh, any any bold takeaway you had from it? Uh, no, other than the announcement of John Schneider as manager, I thought that might be a little surprise sprung on us all. But 
you know, I don't know how the process works. I'm sure they have their process, but I think with oh, what they've Ross got their process. Said, <laughs> with what Ross said, I don't know how John Schneider is not going to be named manager, and I am totally fine with that. You know, I said even though the way things ended the other day, I I thought what John did for a couple of months, his his bullpen management, the matchups that we always talk about. You know, one of the most important jobs as a manager and his staff, right, just getting the right guys in the right spots. <laughs> And the way he used his bench over the last couple of months, we saw pinch running, we saw defensive replacements, all that stuff was fantastic. But it just, for me, went by the wayside in one day. And whether the game sped up on everyone or whatever the case may be, I, I will you know, want to say give him a pass. But I think he is the, the guy, and I'd be surprised if he is not the guy. Okay, Joe, uh, I've, I've been all year, you've listened to me saying that they need more left-handed hitters, some good left-handed hitters, a guy can hit second, a guy can hit the bottom of the order, you know, use the entire field, getting on base, doing their thing, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But say they don't do that. Say this is the same exact offense. They bring this back next season. Spring training, me and you're down there, we see the same old faces. But they do bring back, let's say, two legit guys that could probably throw in the eighth and ninth inning and maybe one or two really good starters maybe not great starters but really good starters would you be okay and do you think fans would be okay with just that happening i don't really care about the fans right now kev i'd be okay and if i'm okay they better be okay because you just said (laughs) you just said two high leverage arms out of the bullpen that's all i wanted to hear yeah, we, we've talked. We've talked a lot, uh, you and I both. But we've the fans and analysts. We've talked so much about how right-handed hitting this lineup is. I all last winter, I think I was on with you guys. We talked about this, mm-hmm. and I thought, yes, you gotta break that up. You need some diversity, and I still think they do. Mm-hmm. But it's gone down a little bit on my list. And uh, you guys remember the deadline, the trade deadline show we had, and I the line I used is I felt like they acted like a team that's trying to get to the playoffs rather than a team that's trying to make a deep run in the playoffs. In all due respect to Anthony Bass, a very good major league reliever, and the addition of Zach Pop, you know, Mitch White comes in because Stripling was on the injured list at the time, coming back shortly, but I didn't think they did enough. Now, could they have done more? We don't know. We'll never know those answers, what was asked, what, what the other teams wanted in return, who they were after, but I've, like you guys, and I think a lot of people around this game, when you watch, and it doesn't mean it's guaranteed, but I like the high-powered arm on the bullpen. So when you mentioned that, Kev, bingo, 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 right there. That's what I think this team needs. If this team went to spring training with the same lineup, I can live with that. This is a good lineup. And, again, does it matter against Luis Castillo in that day? Probably not. Now, in saying that, I would still would have loved to see that game reenacted with uh, one or two real good left-handed batters in that lineup just to – you know, maybe Castillo goes to his changeup a little more against the lefties, and that makes him come yeah. off the sinker a little bit. That that kind of stuff can play. But, yeah, again, in all due respect to Castillo, he was the story of the day. He was fantastic. So, But I, I don't think that's as important as pitching. Watch, watch this baseball we've been watching yesterday. Watch for the rest of this month. You know what we're going to be talking about? Bullpens. <laughs> it all comes down to it. This team can do wonderful things. You could take this bullpen of the Blue Jays right now and bring it back for 162 next year and probably going to make the playoffs because they're decent. They did not decent bullpen. The lineup's good. They can do enough to get to the playoffs. But I, going into the playoffs, and that's why I said what I said at the deadline, as, as well as they pitched the bullpen down the stretch, did you still feel really good about Simber or Richards or nope. Mesa or these guys coming into a high leverage. What if you got into the division series? How do you feel about Tim Mesa facing Jordan Alvarez? Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, I'm mm-hmm. just not there. So when you mentioned <laughs> at the beginning those 
high leverage drugs, that's what they need. Yep. Yeah. No, <clears throat> listen, I, I, I think the, the the high leverage arms are important. I just don't know. It seems to me you have to you have to find those guys the way the Baltimore Orioles found them, and the other and, and the other thing you have to do, Joe, is you got to have somebody from you got to have somebody in your organization who 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 steps yeah. forward and does it right. Like th- mm-hmm. that's what concerns mm-hmm. me about the bullpen. I don't want to see this team trade batters away to get to get leverage arms. They may have to do it, but that's what concerns me. They they should be. They, with all due respect, again, I'm not picking an Anthony Bass. None of us are. They should have right. Anthony Bass in their system. Sure. You know? But, you know, when, when they you should have Zach that, Pop in their system. They should have right somebody on. better than Tim Mesa in their system. Your system needs, whether it's the analytics and acquiring talent or the drafting and developing, whatever it is, you're right. They, they have, you have to be better. But, you know, the conversation we're having, 30 teams are having, right? Everybody could use a couple yeah. high leverage times out of the bullpen. But my point is this team – has a lot of the other parts to make a deep run, I think, in October. And, you know, crazy things happened this year, and it didn't happen. But if you add a couple of those arms, and we've seen, look at the Astros, look at the Mariners, these guys, and, and hey, it doesn't work sometimes. Look at the Mariners yesterday. It didn't work sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. Munoz gives it up, and Seawald had his issues again. So it's not perfect. But I tell you what, if you start addressing those issues – I think it's more likely that you make a deeper run. I mean, we know once October rolls around, anything can happen, but you're giving yourself a better chance. Joe, anything you saw in the playoffs yesterday and those games change your mind about anything that you saw with any of those teams? <laughs> Houston Astros are really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think – and it was a great comeback and all. And uh, the Alvarez, I mean, that was FFTV, right? That was so fun to watch. But, you know, I think hidden in it all, I'm kind of looking over things this morning a little bit. And you know what else? The Astros bullpen came in and did a heck of a job after Mm -hmm. Verlander gave it up, right? And you know this Astros bullpen? I saw a note yesterday. I think they've pitched the fewest innings of any bullpen in baseball. And, of course, they're Mm -hmm. awesome. Now, so they're really good, but they're also rested. And what that does is it speaks to the rotation of the Astros. That's also very good. And guys go deep. Like it's this vicious cycle. We seem to keep repeating every year, but uh, once again, it'll come to the bullpen and that bullpen somehow just, I think it was just the Suarez home run that they gave up. Right. And they kept him in it and it allowed for this great offense to come back. So, you know, I just, not that that's a, that's a news flash that the Houston Astros are good, but it just reminds you of how good. And then the Dodgers just, yeah, it's just, I mean, you see some of the starters like Verlander and Max Freed, a little rusty, right? They just didn't look as sharp. And then you see teams like the Dodgers and Astros and what they did. And it's like, Jesus, we might as well just pencil it in right now, shouldn't we? Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I, I wanted to ask you this about the Padres and Dodgers, though. <clears throat> like, to me, that game was a throwaway game for the Padres. You had to use Darvish, uh, and it, you know, to get through the Mets. This was a throwaway game. Uh, Mike Clevenger's not beating the Dodgers. But now it kind of swings in your favor a little bit, doesn't it, if you're the Padres? I, if I'm the Padres, I've lost 5-3. I didn't have it handed to me. A little bit of a comeback. It, clearly, my starting pitcher wasn't. I mean, Mike Clevenger is you know yeah. is not going to is, is not going to match up with Julio Arias. Did you see anything in that game that makes you think the Pods can make a series out of this, or do you just think the Dodgers are so good that it that it's not going to matter? Yeah, I'll go with the latter. Okay. <laughs> the Dodgers are so good. Look at the way they scored early on too. A Turner goes deep, and then Max Muncy fillets one the other way through the shift. It's like man, they just get you so many ways. I. 
and you know you've got Arias, and now you've got Kershaw going tonight, who's been really good against the Padres too. I mean, just their best chance the Padres is Darvish. He's their best chance, even this series, and they're going to have to somehow scratch and claw for some runs. But Darvish's been very good too against the the Dodgers, so that can play for them. But it'd be a great matchup. I love watching great pitching matchups like that. But man, you you look over a five game series, and how do you keep the Dodgers down? Absolutely. Whenever I was coming into the playoffs, I was talking about the Cardinals, and I told Jeff they just seemed like they have it. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, that definition obviously didn't have it because they got swept in, in the three-game series. But I look at the Phillies, and I saw Bryce Harper in the third inning up 2 nothing, sacrifice bunting. Should I – do you think I should take the Phillies a little bit more serious against the Braves, especially when they have Zach Wheeler going in the next game? Yeah, I think we all have to. I'm not – I'm not sure it was a sacrifice, Bond Kev. I think with the shift on, he was just trying to be smart and punch one over there, and it kind of went back to the pitcher by accident. Yeah. If, if, if you look at it again, so you see that big shift now. And saying that, how many times have you and I had this conversation, the whole mental game of the shift, eh? You, you put them all over there. If Rice Harper wants to bunt single, go be my guest. <laughs> Take yeah. your base if you want it. But he ended up getting himself out. So, yeah, there's, I think the way – Philly showed up to, you know, you jump all over Max Free, but the way they did it too, they had a great approach. All the little opposite field hits and, and then the sack fly, they just had a really good approach against Freed early in that game. And um, again, there's that guy maybe just not as sharpest right after the long layoff. It's, that's the problem with these teams that get their buys. You're always worried about that. And, you know, Freed did it, Verlander did it, and uh, the, the Phillies took advantage. And absolutely, when you've got Wheeler going, you got to feel pretty good. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Five-game series for a reason. It is a shorter series, but um, Atlanta's pretty deep, too, so it should be fun. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about the Yankees-Guardians game. I know that, of course, uh, Cal Quantrill, a guy that was on a team that you coached, what did you make of Cal's start? And and Great also, start. Yeah, and, and, and also, Joe, I mean, if you're the Guardians, you've got to figure out a, out a way to get into that Yankees bullpen earlier, don't you? How do you with that offense, though? I mean, really, yeah. like. Yeah, you know, they are what they are, right? Like, they're, they're a scrappy team that doesn't strike out. We say all these things and put the ball in play. Yeah, well, guess what else is cool? Hit it over the fence. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, they just, that's hard to do against the Garrett Cole. You know, I thought my, their best strategy was going to be that type of style of offense we talk about from Cleveland and maybe rattle Cole. Remember when he was in Toronto, we talked about how yep. you can get to Garrett Cole. Maybe get a guy, you know, maybe if he walks a guy and then there's an error. And sure enough, there was an error right away with Rosario. And I thought maybe that'll get things going, but no, he pretty much shut it down in a hurry. So aside from Quan's home run, it's, it's going to be tough when you're not a lineup that mashes the baseball. Right. And, and on Cal's side, he did a great job really. I thought he was excellent. And I talked about him being a kid. That's not afraid. He's going to pitch inside to these guys. He loves this cutter away, but and he came in there to judge and stand a few times. Like it was great. And then the one, the one I thought pitch that he got burned on was the cutter that he tried to come in on Rizzo. And you know what we say: yeah. a cutter that doesn't cut is a bad fastball, and it stayed on the plate. And that's really dangerous to Rizzo in Yankee Stadium with right field. But okay, let's, overall, Cal did a good job. Absolutely. Let's let's wrap a bow on this. And, and I yelled at Jeff to begin the show about this, about Robbie Ray, the way <laughs> he was used last night. What did you think about that? Did you like it? Did you think you will no. ever see it again? You know, it's so easy. We sit back here after things happen. But we were in the studio when it happened, and I saw him warming up in the bullpen, and I'm like, no way is he warming up for Jordan Alvarez. I said, so wait a minute. Here's a guy that you don't want to start in the series against Houston, but you're going to bring him in against the best hitter in the world because it's a lefty-lefty matchup. Oh, 
jeez. And then he throws the first pitch heater, and I think he was trying to come in, and it was away, and he took a pretty good hack. And I yeah. said, okay, but if you do that again, you better get it out there. Like, make, go out even further, or I'm thinking, you got to go slider now, don't you? And not only does he throw another fastball, but he sets up inside. The catcher set up inside again. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Alvarez's swing on that first pitch, the only thing he didn't do is he didn't quite cover it because he was out there a bit. Robbie missed his spot. He put it right into his barrel. He came right back in. I mean, this isn't Robbie Ray throwing 97 anymore, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I didn't like the move. I didn't like the pitch selection. didn't like the sequence. There was a lot I didn't like. But, you know, it goes back to the old when, when Gosman came out, Mesa came in thing. You know, if, if, if it works, if he gets Jordan Alvarez to pop one up right there, then great job, Scott Service, right? It's easy to say after. The right decision is the one that works. But I didn't like the process at all, much like I didn't like the process taking Gosman out. But let's not go there. We're done with that, aren't we? Joe, listen, I love having you on, especially when you agree with me. I'm going to score that one nothing blow. Yeah, I have to, both, both of you both of you are absolutely wrong because the eighth inning Scott Service is thinking to go. himself, I got Munoz coming in, Munoz coming in. I'm going to use him for the eighth and ninth inning. I'm going to have a one nothing lead going in the off day. But oh, then what happens? He throws 23 pitches in the eighth inning. I'm pivoting to Paul Seawald, who I didn't want to throw. He's not any good, and now I got to do something I didn't want to do. That's exactly what happened. And you guys are welcome for that. Is this not one of the better bullpens? Like, do the other guys have broken legs down there or what? Like, where's Swanson and Murphy and some of these other guys we saw? I don't know. Joe, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate (laughs) it. Thanks for agreeing with me. Take care, man. (laughs) Joe Siddle, Blue Jays Central analyst on Sportsnet 595. That's it for us today. Hey, we're still using Edwin Diaz's music to walk out. Blair and Barker. 11 to noon Eastern tomorrow on Sportsnet 590. The Van Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Enjoy the baseball. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.